ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Bantering the Blue Shirts Off the Post. I am your host, Michael Murphy, joined as always by my co-host, Joe Fortunato. Boop. That's what you make me sound like? Yeah, boop, boop. Boop, um, Welcome to Off the Post. This is where we, being me and Michael, answer you, being you, questions about the New York Rangers. Um, I said this at the end of the flagship show. I will say this again for all of you now. If you are not on Twitter and you listen to this podcast, and you are not a Patreon supporter, um, you can ask questions by sending me an email to rangersreport at gmail.com, and I will get to it. Um, I'd prefer if you could send questions through Twitter slash the Patreon. This way, my email doesn't get overwhelmed. But if you do not have access to either of those, and this came up the other day, um, then by all means, please send one via email and we will take care of it and if i get overwhelmed i'll just give you mike's email and then he can do 99 percent of the work because that's how this relationship works you don't have to be a patron or a or a twitterer no you could be as long as you listen and support this podcast twitter person tweet tweet um yeah there you go go. uh chris oh my god you guys and your last names just go with chris in the first letter no because i want to try Right, Chris deserves to insult everyone. He deserves to have his last name said. Chris Marcatrigano? God damn terrible. You just Marcatrigano. Nah, it's a me, Italian. Um, <laughs> hey guys, what do you think is the first domino to fall in the Rangers cap crunch given the RFAs they need to sign? So Chris M, Chrissy M, this is a great question. Um we talked about this a little bit on the flagship. We have arbitration dates for Buchnevich and Truba. Truba's first yeah. on 725. Buchnevich is on 729. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not eligible for an offer sheet from a rival team, but Lemieux and D'Angelo are because they were not arbitration eligible. So, Whichever comes I have first, the Truba extension or the Chris Kreider trade or extension? So that's a great. That's I think Kreider is the first domino to fall. That is, if the, you're talking about a Rangers cap domino. crunch. Yeah, I, I think I don't think Kreider's long for the New York Rangers. Whether that's right or wrong, um, I, I don't think he's going to be around all that much longer. I think the Rangers kind of realize that, and, and there is something to be said for they can fit him under the cap. Something that gets overlooked a lot, mainly because I didn't even realize this was the case until I I kind of dug into it in, in cap friendly. Kreider makes $4.65 million this year. When he's slated to get his extension next year, the Rangers actually gain $2.5 million in the Dan Girardi buyout, where their dead yep. cap hit space goes from 3.6 to 1.1. If you add that 2.5 to Kreider's 4.6, you get 6.9, actually a little bit more, almost 7. You can fit Kreider at $7 million using nothing more than the Girardi buyout money. So there is a possibility there to make that work without doing a lot of finagling. Not to um, the cap increasing. I don't know if the Rangers want to go down that road and take that risk but the option yeah. is there in the event that you know the event that they want to go down there but i do think chris Kreider is the first domino to fall that's I the big just, domino that affects i can't a shake lot of it things because what they decide like we have a very good idea of what troop is going to come in at we have a very good idea of what booch is going to come in at if you, you we talked about that a lot on the flagship so you can go back and listen to that but we feel like you know a seven-year deal for truba around seven to seven point four or five and for Booch, a bridge deal at three million AAV, and like the thing is, you can fit Kreider. It just it's the things you have to do to make that happen. You bury Bolesky, you bury Brendan Smith to create some more room, and you know you you dangle Vlad Nemestikov and or 
uh, Ryan Strom to see if anyone is willing to nibble there. Um, and you know, maybe, maybe you get one of those contracts off the books. Strom is 3.1, Vlad is 4 million, so that would make life a lot easier for fitting everyone under uh, under contract. But like the thing that a lot of people forget is, yeah, Kreider is only 4.625 uh, for this upcoming season, so. He is a very reasonable contract. It just the next contract might not be as reasonable, especially given what we saw the sort of contract that Anders Lee signed yeah, to. Yeah, probably will most likely not be reasonable because this one was so reasonable. Yeah, and you know, there's the the factor of does he get a couple more shekels because he's you know been around a long <laughs> time. He's a captain. Who knows? Paying guys with shekels now, huh? Yeah. Well, that's rude because it's not really modern-day currency. Um, Alex Gardner, facetious, but how do we not have jersey numbers for Kravstov and Kako yet? Is this some kind of cruel joke? Kravstov, I don't don't know why we don't have a number. Yeah, you know, that's another thing I I think I kind of realized as we were going through the end of the flagship podcast. Um, We haven't even talked about the fact that, and I'm not nervous about this, but it is a little bizarre that Kako hasn't been signed yet, but... Hughes hasn't been signed yet by the Devils either. Um, Darsh, matter. I think, was just... is it? It's Darsh, right? He was... Who was taken... Dosh? Darsh? Hmm. Who was taken by Chicago? Oh, Kirby, you mean. Kirby? That's yeah, totally possible. Anyway, he was signed um, today, I believe. So it, it's just a matter of... I'm looking he? it up right now. It's Darsh. It is Darsh. Dosh? D-A-C-H? Dosh? Kirby? Dosh? Yeah, I, th- I think it's Doc. Yeah, here comes the negative iTunes reviews. Anyway, um, yeah, I, I just I I'm not concerned about that. I also think Kravstov or Kako wants 24 and Bunievis is 24, so that's a little awkward. But we'll see what happens there. There's no real concerns. That's when you say to Bunievis, "Hey, Boo, here's a nice Rolex and a steak." Nice Rolex and a steak. But can he afford a Rolex? He hasn't gotten paid yet. Yeah, but he's making he'll make 900k. He hasn't got paid yet, Michael. What is he going to buy the Rolex well, on? Credit? He He's not from New York. He doesn't know anybody to do that. How does Bunyavis know to trust him? Bunyavis might be in Hartford. I don't think Jeff Gordon's going to come down like on a, in a, on a carriage drawn by white horses with flowing manes and say... Yeah, that's the way he should be traveling yeah, right now. Boo, do you mind, honey? Just here's here's a year's worth of steak. Like, what was it in, in Florida? Omaha Steaks. They'll give him some Omaha Steaks. There you go. There it yeah, is. Bob just guaranteed, you know, to get the, his number. It's like a, a Rolex and dinner for a year. And it's like, yeah, sign me the hell up for that deal. It's very interesting. So give him one one Rolex, one steak. And then you say to Bunievis, uh, no no offense, man. I hope there's none taken, but we want our little, our little savior to be a happy boy. Philip Ghostine, or Felipe Ghostine, sorry, Felipe, um, do some projected over-under for the Rangers players next season. So I'm going to assume he's talking about points. Again, yeah. we don't read these questions beforehand. Um, so let's, I'll, Mike, I'll throw some at you. You give me the over-under, okay? Sounds terrible. Let's do it. Pavel Buchnevich, 57 points. Uh, it all comes down to where he plays. Man, I'm making a great... I'm a great Vegas line maker. Ah, damn it. That was a great number to give me. Isn't it? It's a little bit higher than 55. You son of a bitch. Let's go. That's so fun. Uh, I'll say over and let people make fun of me for it. Over was going to be my optimistic guess, too, with the caveat that... um, If he's with Panarin, it's over. Yeah, if he's with with Panarin, it's it's over. Uh, Do you want to give me a Rangers player? We'll do three each. Yeah. Mika Zibanejad. 
Well, you have to give me the 72. number. 72. Oh, over. Especially if he's playing with Panarin. All right. That's fun. All right, hit me. Panarin, 90. Mm. Under. Ooh, really? I'm... I might go over, and here's why. I feel like he's going to play a lot with the babies. I think... I See, I don't think so, because we already know he's playing with Zibanejad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And on the power play, he's going to have Truba, he's going to have Fox, he's going to have D'Angelo. Kako's going to get his feet underneath him. crazy power play numbers, though, in Columbus, to me. No, like, but he will in New York, more than likely. With Zibanejad, yeah, maybe you're right. I am I would think 90... The reason I'm I made 90... i what he's done by, in the last two years. Yeah, I'm... I'm I'm in it for... I'm, I'm in the over category. You went under, I went over. All right, you go. Next player. Okay. Uh, well, let's just move down to line two. And I want to go with probably one of the... The player that's going to determine a lot about what happens with the team, in my opinion. I'll go with Philip Heedle, and I'll go 48. That's a really good one, too. I'm going to say under. Okay. But I do think that if Heedle is the 2C for the year... Yeah, he there. There might not be a way for him to not rack up offense, but I think for a 19-year-old in the NHL, 48 points would be a great season. Okay. You ready for this one? This is yeah. going to be a curveball for you. Hit me. Henrik Lundqvist. Mm. 48 starts. Uh, I'm surprisingly good at this. Is there something you say for Vegas when you just say, I think it'll be 48 starts? A push. <laughs> a push. It's a push. Yeah. I'll say a push, more or less. I see. My, the, I was almost going to go 50, but I feel like 50 is such a... No. It's... I don't know, man. Especially under. with Shesterkin. I, I lean 40, towards under. I would probably... You know, a push isn't the worst answer. It feels like a cop-out, but it's really not the worst answer No, but that's what I feel like the, it would be in that ballpark. Like yeah, I, I agree. I think it is in that neighborhood. I think Henrik's going to be really motivated. Um, I think he's going to be excited. I think he, this offseason, knowing there's Panarin in front of him, I think he's going to be, you know, he's going to show up to camp, like, ready to go with his fucking eyes wide and, you know, his nostrils flaring ready for hockey. And he's going to be like, yeah, I'm tired of that losing shit. Let's build. Let's let's build towards getting back into the cup and getting, you know, a deep cup run in the next two years. And... You know, the odds are not good in his favor, but it's Henrik Lundqvist. He, he can move mountains if he puts his mind to it, and I believe in him. So I'm going to say he's going to want at least 48 starts. I mean, I know that Quinn has been, I think Quinn did a very good job of being like, all right, Hank, you know, it's it's Georgie's turn. We're going to let Georgie play. And I think he handled that well, but if there's a better team in front of the, in front of the goalies this year, and Hank is like, yeah, listen, David. I know. Uh, I know you're still new here, but I am Hunter Lundqvist. I'm going in net. Um, and we, I think we might see a little bit of that if the Rangers are that team. Even though, it, in many ways, it's in the Rangers' best interest to get a much better idea of what they have with Shesterkin and Gorgiev. But oh man, it's fun. I feel like we should. I'll, I'll transition over to D because I don't think we should do every single forward. Um, well, you have I, the last guy, so let's go. Yeah, but yeah, I'll give you, I'll give you one more, just because it's it's Captain. Make a Truba. I was gonna do. I want to do one last forward first. Oh, I thought you were gonna go to defense. Okay. Yeah, I'll I'll do forward, and then you kick it over to D. Um, That's fine. I'll do Capo Caco, and I'll do forty-five. That's the, see. That's the number. I think I would be ecstatic with a forty-five point season out of him. Okay. Um, only because you got to keep. 
expectation somewhat realistic, especially in the beginning. But here's the thing that I will say about Kako that you, you might not necessarily... A, a pretty easy comparison is to Shve, uh, Svechnikov, right? On Carolina. Yeah, you and were he put up, about this, yeah. I think he put up like 37 points. Bunch of goals, though. Kako dominated a men's league. There are adjustments he will have to make to the North American game, but he's not coming from the OHL. He's no. coming from a men's league. Coming from I could handing men their own ass in the world. I could see him putting up more than 45 points, especially if he's in the top two lines. So I am going to say Cabocaco goes over that 45 points I and love he puts it. up 50 points. That's, That's what, what I'm I was say. hoping you'd say because I honestly think the last time we talked about Cabocaco, we were uncertain about Panarin. Panarin's here. Oh, he's here, baby. One like one way or with or without Panarin, it's all good news for Cabocaco because he's not going to see. He's either with with Panarin and he's seeing the other team's best lines or he's on the second line and he's able to you know maybe take advantage of some third line matchups every now and then and just shred them so all all upside in terms of what we can expect out of his rookie season so kick me over to D now Joe all right last one because we were only going to do three three but I threw a curveball in with the goalie so Jacob Truba let's see he put up 50 points last year let's go 55 points this year Mm. Yeah, he put up a clean 50, 8-42. And the season before that, he had 55 games and 24. So last season was a career high for him, uh, but he has hit eight goals before. I feel like, what did you say, 55, buddy? 55. I'll say he breaks it only because if the Rangers are bringing him in, I feel like he'll be power play two. And I feel like he's... He might be power play one. He might be power play one, but I feel like... Yeah. Until it, until otherwise, I feel like that is something that D'Angelo has to lose. Um, and maybe he, you know, to be fair, he could lose it in training camp preseason, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. So even if he only's on power play two, and the amount of minutes I expect he's going to play because they're going to pay him, you know, seven million a year, he's not going to play eighteen minutes a night. I think he ends up with with more than fifty five. I think fifty five would be a safe estimate. Uh, but because I choose to believe, and I choose to believe in hope, and the future of this great nation, I'll say, I'll say, I'll say over. Sean Gabay, mm-hmm. or Gabay, one or the other. Sean G. Uh, um, Shawnee G. If the Rangers add one more NHL player to their roster this summer, who would it be? Let's assume that's talking about. Well, I guess actually there's no assumption to be made. It's talking about free agency. I would say if the Rangers do bring someone in, and I'm not so sure they do, Brian Boyle. Yep, said at the same time. Good for Um, us. I feel like Brian Boyle is one of the more interesting guys out there, Uh, not only because, uh, you know, he has ties to the Rangers already, and he really kind of really truly reinvented himself in New York under torts. You know, he was at one point a guy who wasn't sure if he was going to be a D or a Ford. And then he had a 20-goal season, Joe, as a Ranger. Brian Boyle. Um, and, you know, all the ups and downs he's he's had in his life since then. And, you know, dealing with cancer and everything. And looking at, you know, he can stay local in New York. He's Did his wife also have cancer? Um, his wife his wife helped him a ton with, with what he went through with cancer because he also just had like a, a kid around the same time, I believe. I could be mistaken. I don't want to misspeak though. I don't I don't I, I don't know why I remember that might be why I'm associating her with it. I mean God 
hopefully she did not have it um yeah she's but, she responded to it in such a way where she's like i'm gonna start getting involved in you know philanthropy and getting engaged and helping families because a lot of players will see it happen where it touches their life and then they think about we have you know hundreds of thousands of dollars we can we have access to these things through you know the the pa and you know the, the health insurance the players have but there are families that don't have those things and like that was something i thought long and hard about after uh you know interacting with kevin shattenkirk um and you know his involvement with the uh, jam cancer and the can foundation is you know the, the number of families who hear you know you have you know to deal with pediatric cancer and you don't have the resources and to to have that hang over your head when you have to like take care of your child and i feel like that's why we see a lot of players when it touches their lives it changes everything about what they do and how they view the world because they say i need to help people not everyone has these things um i don't know if you saw what was it a couple years ago where jimmy kimmel um his newborn you know was born with you know a very serious hole in his heart i believe yeah and it was like you know a doctor who was essentially like a wizard you know saved his child's life and it was it came down to this you know he had this this kind of impassioned plea to take you know healthcare in this country more seriously and, and to help you know help families who can't afford those things because it is a huge deal but all of that in a roundabout way to say that brian boyle is you know we we hear locker room cancer a lot although that is a very inappropriate term to use in um, this in this situation yes especially sure. in this situation yeah, but not meant um, that way but boyle is the antithesis of that, that. He, he is he would be the, the panacea the elixir he is he's exactly what you bring in for this room. yeah yeah um there are so, a couple guys out there joe um that are still kind of interesting but i feel like you know marla we know is it's san jose or pretty much he's hanging up the skates right Derek Broussard, i think the ship has sailed um, you know, the Rangers, I feel like, would want someone in that bottom six to essentially kind of replace Jimmy and to some extent. But also, I feel like Boyle makes sense to me because it's more security at the center position, right? He is 34, but he did have 18 goals last season. Six assists, 18 goals. So Yeah, he could he could pop a few goals in. But send let him me... out there on the, on the PK, send him out there and... You know he's he's that sort of teammate, and like if you have a six foot seven Brian Boyle in the lineup, yeah, I don't think you have to worry about the the Cody McLeod factor. You know what I mean? No, and I, I kind of don't think you have to worry about that in general anyway. But I understand well, you why I you're saying that. Um, Ar the number ten me Panarin, get it? Artemi Panarin, since he's the number ten now, it's really Brett who is awesome. Uh, this question kind of goes into what was just asked but in a different way do you think Panarin's signing will help Kako emotionally given the fact that the cameras will now be on someone else giving him time to adjust accordingly um I think it's a good question the best thing about Panarin is the fact that all of a sudden even if Kreider is traded all of the pressure on Kako and Kravstoff to step in and make an impact right away all the stuff that Hedl Anderson and Howden dealt with last year evaporates because you are one of the main reasons why Panarin is so valuable right now is that Kako can be the number two winger. He can be sitting behind the limelight the a little part bit about until he's ready to muscle out. The best part about this is Panarin wanted this. He wanted to be the superstar on a big stage in a big city. This is what he wants. This is what he's asking for, right? This is what, and frankly, he's already proven that he is that player it's just a question of now he wants to get you know under the spotlight with the with the big paycheck to go along with it 
and it's all upside because there's not only can he kind of help show the ropes to the young guys especially young wingers especially young european wingers there's all that's all good stuff but the the other fact of the matter is if you can tell like the rangers can have a second line with everyone under 20 years old technically if they want to they probably won't but they could have that line and just say this is the line we roll out after the other team is tired because they've been chasing around. And then this an ox of a down. human named Capo Caco comes off the fucking bench and just starts dominating people physically. Yeah, and in two or three years' time, you'll have two lines that can just roll over teams. And that is what is just so exciting about this idea that the Rangers have this for, you know, at the very least seven years, right? That's It's just a question of what pieces fit into the core that's already there. Hopefully... You know, Zibanejad is here past the three years we still have him and and all that good stuff. But, oh, man, it's going to be fun. It's it's a great thing for a team that has two young scoring wingers that will be rookies next season to have someone like Panarin in the lineup. It's all upside. Next question from Matt. Hi, Joe and Mike. Many are penciling Philip Hedlund as our second-line center. What about his game last year said... Quote, I am ready to be an NHL center, let alone a second-line center. Then he has some stats about it. Um, not much, I would say. Yeah, not, not I mean, here, and that's okay, too, because here's the thing you need to remember about Filippito. He's 18. He will not turn 19 until September. You're giving guy a chance to sink or swim, and what other options do the Rangers have at center? You're not putting Brett Howden in there. You're certainly not putting Leas Anderson there. I just, my phone just went off and it was the loudest thing in the world. Um, you're not putting Leah Anderson there. You're, if you're putting Ryan Strom there, you're out of your goddamn mind. So Filipito is the next best thing. And here's the reason why this is acceptable. You're banking on the fact that he takes everything he learned last year and he turns it into a more productive season. Filipito was great in spurts he was invisible in spurts he didn't have a terrible first year but he was also 18 years old the rangers are not cup contenders tomorrow they don't need to make the playoffs next year they might but they don't have to so knowing all of that will he be 20 yeah really Mm -hmm. i don't know if i believe you you can look it up i'm gonna tell you right now that i don't think i believe you i'm just gonna say that right now now you're right he's gonna be 20 I apologize. I feel great shame. Apology accepted. Anywho, you put him there because the hope is that he can, he's going to figure it out. And there's really no reason to assume that he won't, just based off of his skill set. But you don't have any other better options, and you don't have to make the playoffs. You don't have to make the playoffs. You play That's him the at, answer. You play him at 2C because, as the roster stands currently, he is your best solution long-term. For 2C. You want him to develop into that 2C who maybe can contend to become the 1C if and when Zibanejad leaves this team. Like, Leas Anderson is a great contender to be the 2C of the future of this team, but you need to develop him much in the same way you have to develop Heedle. Uh, I just think Heedle is a very raw player, but this the potential and ceiling for him is so high. If all he becomes, quote-unquote, all he becomes is a great you know, option to play wing in the top six, then it's still a massive win for the Rangers. But uh, you don't want Ryan Strom there. I feel like you can live with Vlad Nemestikov there as a 
as a holdover until you find something better, um, you know, and, and, and give the kids an opportunity to develop. But the other thing to keep in mind, Joe, is that you have Brett Howden, you have Leah Sanderson, you have Philip Heedle. You want all three of those guys in the lineup. All three of those guys are centers. You have Mika Zibanejad. Um, let's say the Rangers sign, you know, they, they also have Boone Nieves, and let's say they sign Brian Boyle or someone else, or, you know, to see what happens. It all comes down to this cap crunch we've been talking about. Let's say all those things happen, and, like, you need to get those kids time at center ice in the NHL so that they can develop into reliable centers, centers you can trust. And Philip Heedle got his ass handed to him in face-offs, although... You know, face-offs aren't terribly important, but, you know, there are aspects of, the, of his game, especially in defensive coverage and what he does in the neutral zone, that need work, especially at the second-line level if he's playing the pivot. But, like, you got to kind of... I don't think it's throwing him to the wolves so much as being like, all right, you test yourself, and then we can pull him out and say, all right, you can move to wing, maybe we move Vladdy to center, but in practice, practice being a center because we want him to become the center. I feel like... Chalking him in at 2C makes sense because it's it's a very good thing for the Rangers and for Filipito. If he if he transitions towards that role after last season where he played predominantly on the wing. Mike is just out here throwing heat. Andrew McNitt, which one player on offense and defense, new or returning, are you most excited to see their impact this season? For me, it's Kravstov and Shea. Interesting choices. Um, is very interesting to me because of the Truba effect. If he's paired with Truba, will we finally see Brady Shea look more like the player we want him to be? Defenseman, Mike. Pick your defenseman. My defenseman is Adam Fox. I was also going to say Adam Fox. Uh, Truba is a close second. I feel like we know what Truba is, and that's awesome. But and I want to see him do those things in New York, Michael. Yeah. Um, and that's Forward. Good, but like Adam Fox, to me, I... We paid a pretty, you know, we paid a good price to get Adam Fox. And knowing what he did at the collegiate level, knowing what he's capable of doing, knowing the sort of player he is, I'm very interested to see how his game translates to the NHL, how it shapes the right side of that blue line, how it shapes the Rangers' power play, and what they do at even strength. If, if he's, you know, is he just like a strictly better Tony D'Angelo, or is he a guy who is going to become someone with a higher ceiling than D'Angelo? That's what, you know, we all hope to see. I That is the D for me, the forward. Uh, uh, I mean, for me, it's Kako. It's, it's, it's Kako, just it's, because... It's Kako. I feel like that's a lazy answer, but it's the it's right not. Answer, I mean, right? it's Kako, Panarin, Krovstov in that order. When's the last time we had a second overall? Pick? Yeah, you know, oh. it's Brad Park, right. I believe. It's been a long time. Vintendo, what would your ideal setup for the forward lines be if tomorrow was opening night? Feel free to include slash not include players like Kreider, Nemestikov, or Strom. Okay. So. Let's really focus on the top six because that's really what yeah. the question we'll is about. We'll just see the top six and let, let everything, the chips will fall after that. Well, let's start here. Is Kreider on your team or not? Uh, I'll say yeah. Uh, see, I'll say no just because I don't think he'll be there. So for me, okay. I could go Zibanejad, Panarin. Let's go fucking crazy, Mike, especially on opening night. Panarin, uh, Zibanejad, Kako. Yeah. Hedl. Kravstov, um, Buchnevich. And the reason why I think that works is because you do get an NHL talent in Buchnevich who's 
accustomed to playing in the NHL. You do get Heedle who is in a bigger role, but obviously has a year's worth of NHL experience. And you, you have Kravstov, who can just kind of be along for the ride a little bit. That's my ideal top. Now, I don't know if that's the smartest top six, but that's what I think we might see in the beginning. Um, yeah, I'm not choosing ideal. I'm choosing what we... What yeah, we that's that's kind of what I'm going with, too. So go ahead. You do yours with Kravstov. I have Kreider. the same top line as you, and then I have Kravstov's... Heedle Buchnevich. The theory there being you give Heedle a young, young center, a couple of more established players to play with. Which makes wing. a ton of sense. Um, and then you tell Vitaly Kravstov, like, hey, there's zero pressure on you. You're playing third one, third line wing. Our third line is going to be a scoring line because Jimmy VC isn't here anymore. Um, <laughs> that was and, a, just an assault on Jimmy VC's existence. You know, and then, you know, like, if that, furthermore, that would mean Kravstov's playing with. Uh, did, with Vladimir Nemestikov. Did Franklin just make noise? What's that? Did Franklin just make like a, a meowing noise? I don't know. I, I, did, it's, I swear to God, it sounded like a small child, like oh. a ghost child was talking in the microphone. Well, that's fun. Um, I don't even know where he is, but I'll check for ghosts after the show's done. I have my headphones in, so I can't... So do I, and I, I heard it in my headphones, so it sounded like well, it came from... It was like, meow, meow. Yeah, he has a little, like a sweet little voice. He's a robot. Continue. Um, meow, meow. Uh... Looking at that, like I feel like that makes a lot of sense, especially if you kind of flesh out the third line. You let Kravstov play with Vladdy, um, and you know maybe Jesper. I don't know, but it, it really does come down to what happens with Chris Kreider, right? I'm to be just to be perfectly clear, Joe. Much like you, I'm all in on the kids in the lineup. I'm all Fuck about. Yeah. I'm all about Kravstov and Capo. In the top six. Give me two rookie wingers in the top six. Sign me the fuck up. I'm all about it. I want it. Next question. Josh Zarkin. And I'll repeat the name. Josh Zarkin. Because one week... Josh Zarkin has an outstanding supervillain name. If you choose to go down that road. One week... I ah. forgot to ask a question for Josh Zarkin. And he, he, he told me. He roasted you. He dragged it. And then I apologized to him the next week read another question the next week and then he told me that i did not read a question for three weeks in a row that i had and then he apologized and, then Joe shook and his i love josh to zarkin. and said curse you zarkin josh is one of our true supporters oh, he would go to war for us up next to me on the bed. it was franklin there you go so josh making sure you know i'm asking your question and it's a great question um is there a chance leas gets moved or doesn't make the team i feel like he's the odd man out Ooh. I don't know. You know, I could see Anderson being moved in a um, change of scenery type deal. Like for the guy on Edmonton, whose name I will not attempt to butcher. This early? Oh, for Jesse Pugliarvi? Yes. That if type of wants deal. out of Edmonton. If the Rangers can get Pugliarvi for, for Elias Anderson, I'm all about it. It's, it's um, that type of deal. Otherwise, I think Anderson will make the team, but I think... Unless they get Boyle, I think he's the 4C, but then by the same token, like, is Bunievich more suited 4C? Probably. Do you want Anderson to develop another year in Hartford with an actual coaching staff and an actual message? I mean, that's another question, too. That is a question and an important one. Um, I feel like it would be... Like, we just saw Alex Nylander get traded, right? And he's a he's an example of a, a prospect who is highly touted. Um, he was in Buffalo system, and he never really put it together. He had a better year 
in Rochester this past season. He ended up going to Chicago uh, for Hen- Henry Yokiharu, the young Finnish defenseman. You just say names. Well, I, I listen so to easily. And I read things. Um, well, I read things too, but I obviously don't read the right names. Joe. I didn't want to say it, but you're forcing me to say it. I see. I try to get good at Finnish names. Finnish names are important in hockey. Um, mm. They have those. They have those Y's for yays. That's the trick. Yoki Haru. No, you've done. You've done enough. Jesse Puliyarvi. Yarvi. You, you mean J's? Yeah. I meant, you, what did I say? You said Y's. Well, there you go. So you think you're cultured? You don't even know the alphabet. <laughs> How does that sound? Fucking, that's in your own backyard, champ. I was trying to help you pronounce things better in a in a. And you confused me. Honestly, I just got distracted because I'm petting my cat, who I love more than you. That's not right. No. I love Wizardy more than you. You still haven't sent me the picture, Wizardy. Wizard, I swear on my daughter's life, Wizardy, as far as I know, was alive and well as of like a week ago. What do you mean a week ago? You haven't checked on him? No, he's in the basement. He likes it down there. How often do you feed this fucking frog? He gets fed once a week. <laughs> Is there a light source in the basement? Is it just dark? No, there's a light source. There's a window. Is it Abu Ghraib down there? No, it's, there's a window. All right, he you gets, need to send me a picture of Wizardy before you go to bed tonight. He gets light from the window. I don't know if I want to go in the basement. It's dark down there. Are you scared of your own basement? You're about well, to be a yeah. father of two? You, you never know. Basement? Yeah, I don't want robbers down there. It's scary. Put on Kalen's light-up sneakers. They still have those. <laughs> this way I could be chased through the darkness? Yeah, well, you see. You remember light-up sneakers? Those were fucking I do. Cool. I remember them being the shit when I was those a kid. so cool. Yeah. I remember I was super bummed when one of the lights went out on one of my shoes, and I was like, well, look, I don't want to be the idiot with one light-up shoe. That actually never happened to me. I do remember, like, slamming the shoes together to make the lights go off, and my mother being like, give me that. Well, I played, so. I played basketball, and I played hard, sir. I broke those shoes. Well, look at you. the paint. Uh, did you answer Josh's question before we went to Wizardy? I think yeah, you did. I did. Um, um, it all Larry, comes down to with Leas. I feel like it, it would be the Rangers shouldn't trade him because he's not going to be a top six center, even though they want him to be a two C. But like, this is something I hear a lot. I hear Jeff Merrick say it a lot. You shouldn't trade a guy a prospect until you're absolutely fucking sure, right? Don't Jeff Merrick is a smart guy. Don't be the guy. Don't be the team that says, you know what, Philip Forsberg. We want Martin E. Ratmore. You don't want to be that team. You know what I mean? Yes. So, that is a great point, Michael. A wonderful point. Um, Larry D'Antonio, how much of an impact would Gusev make on the lineup with newly added pieces? Or with the newly added pieces, I Pretty should say. Pretty huge. So, he's an interesting case. Let's, let's just, I'm going to make a comment, Michael. Okay? And I'm going to say it seriously, because I'm serious. But I'm also going to say it with the notion that I'm not saying this is going to happen. Okay? Have I confused you yet? Based off their... Always confused. With you. Based off their KHL performance pre-NHL, Gusev is a better player than Panarin is. Gusev put up more electric offensive numbers in the KHL. Now, the difference between him and Panarin is that Panarin... right strictly by production, yeah. Okay, well, that's the fucking point that I'm trying to get to, Michael. <laughs> the... The point is, Panarin has been one of the elite wingers in the NHL for the past few four years. Gusev is not. 
Shockingly, the man only wants $4 million a year on a two-ish year deal. Vegas is so cap-strapped that they can't do that, so they're taking offers and they're fielding offers in the second-round pick range, which would be a steal for a guy like that. The problem the Rangers have, he would be an enormous addition. I mean, he would be such an addition that Pavel Buchnevich is probably a third-line winger on the New York Rangers. That's how big of a fucking deal he would be. But they're already in cap trouble, so you'd almost assuredly need to see... And here's the other thing. I want to bring this up, too. A buyout of Kevin Shattenkirk saves you a ton of money this year, but you know what the dead cap space is next year, Michael? $6 million. So you're basically paying the full boat on Shattenkirk without him here. So his buyout doesn't make much sense. You want to buy out Brendan Smith, fine. But the way that the Rangers could make it work is if they get they sign all their RFAs, which say they cost about $16 million. You trade Crowder, you trade Nemestikov, you trade Strom, and you take no money back. If you do that, you're at about $12 million. You could squeeze just about everybody under the cap then in that case. But it's going to be really tight, and you might have to do some finagling. That's but he would he be an enormous addition. A he's a legitimate top six winger. Like the idea of Gusev and Panarin added to this team is is just bonkers. Like bonkers. It the real problem is how do you make it work with Vegas because they're right up against it with the cap, so you have to keep in mind what you'd have to send back. Furthermore, you have to keep in mind what the Rangers do. Do the Rangers move Kreider? pick up assets and then move like a second and you know a, a prospect that they're not in love with for someone like Gusev if so that's pretty tempting especially if you can get him at four million a year for two years um, but you know you also have to ask what good does that do in terms of the the long-term build here other than maybe like all right let's say they they get two years of Gusev at, at four million and then you realize like oh he is the player that we thought he could be and then maybe you lock him up and you have him and Panarin, you know, for the foreseeable future. And that's that's something to get excited about. That is, a, I, in my opinion, the Rangers already have, like, this big knot, right? You know, the question we had to start this off was, what's the big domino, right, Joe? And that's the Kreider situation. Gusev is almost just, like, this adding a separate, like, a separate layer to this big knot. Like, a couple more strings in this big knot of what Gorton and company have to untie in this offseason to figure out what happens next. And I am really in favor of the Rangers pursuing what a deal for Gusev would look like. It just, to me, it feels like, you know, what are the order of operations here? Like, can they make, can they spin all these plates, juggle all these balls, and make everything land in place, and still make sure they get Jacob Truba locked up and, and get everything else in order that they need to get in order? Like, it can be done, obviously. Like, it's just a question of, like, how much how much is a reasonable amount of, of, like, stuff to get done in this amount of time. It's fascinating because of what Gusev represents and how damn good he is. Um, and I'm, I'm of the opinion that he is the player that people who are excited about what his potential represents on, on, on an NHL ice surface. I, I'm of the opinion he is that player. It's just a question of moving all the pieces to make it happen and what sort of impact that makes on the Rangers, both in the immediate and long-term future. You're a jerk. That's what you are. Jerk. Um, jerk. I'm not a jerk. 
Uh, all right, two questions back to back that are both about Kreider. So let's go this way. Sports guy three four five says if the Rangers want to move Kreider, is it more than likely we see him moved at the trade deadline? Um, right now, teams will lowball because we need to shed cap. If we play him with Breadman and Zibanejad, his value could be boosted, and he would look like an eighty point player. Then Andrew Owens says, do you see Minnesota giving up their twenty twenty first for Kreider, which is probably a late lottery pick, and? Kaprizov slash Kunin. Um, Here's what I will say. I've seen Minnesota thrown around as a destination for Kreider, maybe because of the Zook connection, maybe because Minnesota kind of has to go for it. Minnesota has zero cap space. They're locked in for so many long-term contracts. They're not a destination for Kreider at all. Um, I will say that if you can... You're probably not getting an NHL player back for Kreider, and the Rangers probably don't want one because they want the cap space. But with how loaded next year's 2020 draft is, I think there's something to be said about getting a 2020 first-round pick, even if it's not a lottery pick. That would be an enormous victory in and of itself. Um, I do think Kreider is going to be moved over the summer. Um, It just gets too messy to keep him around and do the same thing that you did with Zuccarello. And Hayes, I agree. I feel like it's more. It's it's probably better. It's not great that the Rangers weren't able to move him at the draft because what you can get for him changes in a big way. Like what was it? What was the joke? Colorado was at sixteen in the draft, right? <coughs> oh, damn it, Michael! I was going to answer you, but I sneezed. Yes, <laughs> I think that's our first sneeze on the podcast. It might be. That was a good, Ugh, that was a good one. one. It hurt my throat. Oof. How the sinuses feel after that? Uh, nice and clear, my friend. Clear and clean. Um, I feel like I know that Brooks has written about this a couple times. Like the Rangers written avoid this, the the sideshow of another sell off um, at the deadline. And yeah, I get that. That does take a toll on the locker room. Um, and Kreider is a popular player, and he's a guy who's. You know, some people have thought of him. You know, not only as an alternate captain, but maybe a captain for the future of this team. So, if you can move him before the season, it's probably in your best interest. But you shouldn't, you shouldn't settle on a deal for Chris Kreider. If there's nothing out there that's attractive that maybe doesn't get you another pick in that first round next year, maybe you just say, "Yeah, we're going to have Chris Kreider, and we're going to talk to him all season long, and make it." get serious about those contract negotiations, which I don't think they were really doing with Kevin Hayes. I feel like the writing was very much on the wall for Kevin Hayes and for Zuccarello. Um, make it clear that like this can go one of two ways. It just depends on how these negotiations go, and that will be a distraction, but there's so much other, there's so many other storylines surrounding this team that I don't think it'll be a big deal. He, Kreider's not even pegged to be the top left winger on this team anymore. Like, it's been Not even shot. close. So it's also going to be tough to showcase him with Panarin because they both play left wing. So that's the other part of this. All right. Ready, Michael? Yeah. The other Eric Carlson. Which league gets a female head coach first, NHL or NBA? Mm. I have my. I already have my answer locked NBA. in. NBA. They already have female assistant coaches. Yeah. It's, I don't think it's close. No, the NHL is miles. Eric asked the question about diversity that we answered last year as well. It's just... The NHL's not there yet. They need to get there. I mean, none of this. I mean, football, I guess, is getting there a little bit. I believe Bruce Arian hired two um, female assistant coaches. I'm almost positive, but that's the only instance that I've heard of that. And I'm not an MLB fan 
in any sense. I'm really not even an, an NBA fan. I just happen to know that they they did that. I don't think it's there either. So I, I, do, I don't think the NHL is the worst of the bunch, but uh, it's not at the top. The well, progress we're seeing in the NHL is so recent. Uh, Noel Needham in the scouting department for Toronto, and of course Haley Wickenheiser, who's going to the Hall of Fame as the assistant uh, director of player development there. Like Those are incredibly recent developments, and recently we heard... Uh, you know, an NHL-approved agent um, up in Canada for a female player agent. Like, there are things changing. It's it's just, it's one of those things where we hear these things. It's like, wow, that hasn't happened yet. I mean, it's great that it's it's happened now, but why why is it taking so long? It'll. It, uh, I hope it happens at the NHL in our lifetimes. I would be pretty disappointed if it doesn't. Um, I feel like something that might you know, the rules being different in the women's game and the men's game might make a lot of kind of the, uh, you know, the old boys club hesitant to give acknowledgement to the achievements that we've seen uh, great coaches make in the women's game because many of the best, as you can imagine, many of the best female coaches in hockey are behind the bench in women's hockey, especially on the national team and collegiate level. Uh, but yeah, I, I would think it would be outstanding if, an NHL team and front office considered like a, a, a highly regarded female coach to fill a spot um, behind the AHL bench, like the Rangers currently have a vacancy um, in Hartford, which is something you and I haven't discussed in a while. It's kind of surprising we haven't filled yeah, that. That role might yet. be uh, next week's show if nothing else yeah. goes down. Panera win 2020. Hey, Joe and Mike, with the Rangers needing to free up cap space to sign RFAs, what do you think the return on trades for Nemestikov and Strom would look like? So it's tough, right? It, it like, is tough. Strom There's really had a good year on paper, but uh, spreadsheets not that much. I think it's fair to say the Rangers would be more than willing to take a lesser return to remove the cap space entirely. Meaning they don't yeah. take another contract back. Maybe they only get. I mean, that's what happened with VC, right? They got a third round pick. They probably could have gotten more, um, yeah, but they stuck to their point. guns and they wanted to make sure that they were not getting a because salary the taken other back. Asset and, in that trade that people don't talk about enough is the cap space. The Rangers got cap space back in that trade. They got a contract off their book and a third round pick, which is just kind of the silver lining. But they wanted a contract and the cap space off their books and with ryan strome it's 3.1 million with vlad it's four i feel like the the return for vlad would still be pretty good like i feel like you can get a second round pick and maybe a prospect for vlad it's hard to say what strome may have that residual value left over too, fifth he overall pick and all that goals, nonsense but and he's still yeah. like strome is 25 like he just turned 25 no no i'm sorry he's just gonna turn 26 in two days my my mistake um and, like, he did shoot, like, a, a nice crispy 20% or something like that last crispy season. Crispy 20%. But he did have 19 goals and 18 goals with the Rangers in 63 games. Uh, but, he like, just in terms of his penalty differential and stuff, I'm just one of those people. I'm just, like, I've seen all I need to see about Ryan Strom. All right, final two questions, Michael, and they're both silly. Yeah. Well, maybe not silly. Silly might not be the, the best answer. Okay. Uh, I'm going to defer to you on this one johnny alo all right boys had another battle with the woman last night this one is a much greater debate it was a tough discussion but which was the better battle in lord of the rings the battle of helm's deep or the battle of minas tirith minas tirith minas tirith i know what neither of these are mm. so for as much as a fantasy guy as i am not 
really all that much into... And you think you're a fucking dungeon master. No, Michael. The people did. Um, I consider the Battle of Helm's Deep, which is in the Two Towers, to be one of the most entertaining sequences in film. Like, if we're talking... Is the question, which is the better battle? Yes, which is the better battle? Ooh, Doctor. I like... I like Helm's Deep. Um, there's a lot of... There's a lot of things to consider with, like, the tactics. Like, it, it had never been breached before, and then Saruman uses, essentially, like, gunpowder. You know, he brings it to the gunpowder age, and, you know, the the elves showing up at the last minute, like, the old guy and, uh, you know, the old man with one eye who shoots the early arrow that sets off the Urukai. Like, it's, it's a dope battle with the rain and everything. Um, Minas Tirith is just a bloodbath that looks like it's screwed right up until it isn't. Um... They're both great, but I would I would lean towards Helm's Deep. Uh, my vote's Helm's Deep. Okay, my vote is whatever Mike voted have on. Have you seen the movies? Help. I have, but I have. The Earth is the, is the is the big human city at the end of the move at the end of the third movie. Is that the one where they're outnumbered ten thousand to like three hundred or something? Yeah, at the very end when they say screw it, we're rolling on Mo- Mordor. And right. Aragorn okay. does for Frodo, and he and he just bum rushes, and it's it's dope. I liked Lord of the Rings, I, but I never I never read the books, which is surprising. I'm really a big fantasy guy. I think I should read the books. Dungeon master. Uh, well, have you ever read Wheel of Time, Michael? No. Oh, point proven. If you you would like Wheel of Time quite a bit. Um, all right, final question: Phil or Phil? Or Phil. This is a would you rather, Michael? Yeah. Okay. Would you rather never have the internet again? Or never have sex again for the rest of your life. Depends on if I have a steady job, because the internet's kind of dependent on my income. No, all um, right. For, forget. Let's say strictly for pleasure, because you're also an, a gentleman of the evening, so we don't want to count that either. I would never have the internet again, and I. I think not, I would too. It's not because I think sex is that important. I think interpersonal relationships are important, and I think the internet is okay, a now dangerous thing it. for sapping away your time. It's funny, though, because my reasoning was similar, right? Like, there is a... I was just thinking thinking to myself, like, oh, I could go outside more often than in that case. That's what that would be. So, yeah, I agree. Sex over the internet. (laughs) Lord knows I wouldn't find sex as much as I might like to sometimes, but yeah. Or, you know, the the male human sex drive. We're bloggers. We've never had sex before in our lives. Yeah. Spent a lot of time in the basement. That's how that goes. Uh, thank you all for listening. Thank you all for donating. Patreon.com slash Blue Shirt Banter. Uh, my name is Joe. That was Mike. And uh, thank you all for listening. Bye-bye. All right. I guess Mike's not going to say goodbye to you guys. So Helms deep. Franklin is a robot.